A team from International SOS recently visited Kyiv and Lviv in Ukraine as part of a trip to better understand the current operating environment and to meet with our security partners. Well, it follows interest from some of the organisations we work with who are keen to return to the region and understand what's possible as the conflict with Russia continues. Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading health and security risk services company. I'm Chris Giles and joining me for this episode is our Security Director for Assistance, Phil Nolan. So Phil, can you tell me a bit more about what you were able to achieve in Ukraine? As part of our ongoing country assessment process, I needed to go and visit Ukraine primarily in order to reaffirm our security partner capabilities, but also to look at the most suitable means of getting into country, what accommodation might be available and the best advice that we can give to our clients based on what's possible in that environment. We also know that there's been plenty of clients that have been operating in country since the beginning of the conflict. We know a lot of clients that are trying to get back into country. And a lot of the time, what they're trying to work out is just what are those realities? Where do I need to stay? How do I need to be looked after? How do I move? What options are available to me to be looked after in country and to protect me and my staff whilst I'm there? So I was there to understand what's possible. Are you able to give us an an overview of what the latest situation is regarding the conflict between Russia and Ukraine? Yeah, sure. So at the moment, the conflict continues down in the south and southeast of the country. It is reported at the moment to be a stalemate. We at this stage are seeing various different developments in that particular space. But we do anticipate that there will be a calming of the conflict through the winter periods. And I say calming, it is more of a not pushing into new areas of real estate for that conflict. And we can appreciate that there will be, from the Russian perspective, targeting of infrastructure, as we have seen last year, particularly in the winter months, targeting infrastructure to see that the Ukrainians have issues with electricity and particularly for for water provision as well. What we'd expect to see in the coming months is a bit more of a targeting of those infrastructure locations. And we will also expect to see some kind of potential change in the aerial attacks that we've we've seen in more recent months. There has been a bit of a lull, particularly in Kyiv. That can be attributed to a strong air defence system within the country, and increasingly so, but also to a slight change in tactics on the Russians' capabilities, particularly when they're looking at using a combination of both drones and missiles to try and test the air defence systems and also potentially to stockpile munitions ready for those infrastructure attacks. So what we may be seeing as being a stalemate, we can say that that is broadly aligned with what we're seeing. But like I say, we should expect that anyway, given the winter months and the the lack of capability to be able to move in great swathes through the land, both in Ukraine, down in the south and southeast. So given what you said about that area of Ukraine, you visited both the capital Kyiv and Lviv. Can you tell me what the operational environment was like there, maybe starting with Lviv? Yeah, sure. So obviously there's two different risk environments, even though they are both central and west in the country. Very different risk environments to what we may be seeing and hearing about in the, the south and southeast of the country. For Lviv, closest to the Polish border and most far west in terms of the sort of the main urban build up areas, Lviv is a relatively stable environment within Ukraine. We do rate Ukraine as an extreme risk environment at the moment because of the ongoing conflict over in the south and southeast. However, for Lviv, the main risk, I guess, that you would expect to come to fruition would be aerial attacks. But 
primarily it is the usual operational concerns you'd have in any other city environment. So moving by road, for example, road traffic accidents will be a concern and also the lower levels of criminality that you would experience in any other city too. So we're looking primarily at making sure that we have suitable accommodation, both for the security environment, but also to make sure that there is suitable protection in place, overhead protection from aerial attack, should that come to fruition in in Lviv. We haven't seen so many attacks in Lviv, and that is partly because of the distance from potential launch sites from from Russia. Given the uh, the distance that missiles and munitions have to travel, there's a high probability of them being intercepted by air defence, and the Russian capability is not worth, in their view, having attacks in Lviv. We can also say that there are not as many strategic objectives to be attacked in Lviv as well. So a relatively stable environment, very close to the Polish border there. So how do we compare that to the capital, Kiev? Yeah, good question. So obviously with Lviv being out so far west, I guess the distance that we could look there through to, to Kiev and the movement into the central part of the country really starts to increase the risk for aerial attack in the capital. That said, there are a number of different pieces of infrastructure that supports our clients and and people that need to operate within the capital city. So we see more substantial building infrastructure. So there's underground car parks, for example, foundations that are suitable to provide shelter and to withstand potential for aerial attack. And then there's also the subways, which are some of the deepest in Europe. So they offer suitable protection from aerial attack if that did come to fruition. So there is a better infrastructure in place. Of course, all the shelters that are said to be suitable in location would need to be able to support a a sort of a sustained period underground in that protection. So having food, water, communications means, so access to Wi-Fi, for example, is another element that we would look at having in place for any shelters. But also the air defence systems are more substantial in the capital. And that is largely because of those increasing numbers of strategic objectives that are in place, as you might expect, in a capital city rather than in a provincial city out in the in the west. So there is better infrastructure to protect people in location, although there are more, like I say, strategic targets in the city. That said, in Kyiv, life does go on as relatively normal. You know, you'll see vehicles on the street, people walking on the street, going about their daily business. Uh, I think one of the main things that struck me was that People are relatively relaxed about what they face on a daily basis in terms of risks in in the city. And that is largely because of the the level of that shelter and protection that they have access to in the form of either basement shelters or the subways, but also access to suitable information as well. And that can be available through various different networks in the country. So should our clients wish to think about returning to Ukraine, how would they get into Ukraine and what options are available? Great question. So actually, when I looked at this, the only means that I'd really heard about previously were getting in by train. That was either from Poland, and there's a number of different cities in Poland that have train networks that run all the way through into Ukraine. So Warsaw and Lublin primarily, because they are so close to the border, but also Krakow in Poland. And then also there's Hungary, Slovakia as well, that you can also look as options to get into the country. The only issue with that is that you have to be very conscious of what the train timings are, and there's not that much flexibility if you are arriving in by air, for example, into Poland to then catch a train into Ukraine. So the next means of getting into the country for me was to look at road moves. 
and actually moving by car into Ukraine is the most suitable in our view as the flexibility it affords you having your own access to a vehicle is pretty key to making sure that you're able to get into Ukraine given that there is often a huge queue at the border crossing. So what we'd like to aim to do is get into Ukraine early in the mornings where possible to make sure the queues at the border are as small as possible. You should be able to get in, you know, within an hour, maybe two hours into the country. From there, it's a very short move to Lviv where there's plenty of suitable accommodation options in that city with shelters in place for any potential aerial bombardment. So what advice would you have for people who want to operate in country? Are there differences between Lviv and Kyiv and perhaps even further east and south? I would suggest that anyone trying to get back into country should very much understand what they're trying to achieve whilst they're back in the country. So there will be more pronounced risks for those that are trying to set up business on in the longer term. So making sure that they can sustain themselves in the various risk environments that are in existence within Ukraine. For those shorter term business travelers, like I was myself, being in for a, for a week or so, there's plenty of infrastructure in place to support those shorter moves. What I would suggest is that Lviv and Kyiv have broadly similar risk environments in terms of what to expect on the ground in both of those cities. Visibly speaking, you wouldn't say that there is a, a conflict going on within the country if you were just visiting Lviv and Kyiv. There are the obvious signs, clearly, of course, of in, in terms of having checkpoints and slightly increased military and police presence in both cities. But in terms of movement, the very limited restrictions in that respect, you know, there's a there's a working rail network. I made a, a move from Lviv to Kyiv. So making sure that I had suitable access to information to make that move from Lviv to Kyiv by train, being able to book the actual train itself and also be able to be supported in both cities through a provider network with ground transportation is also very important. So for those two locations, Lviv and Kyiv, very similar, as I was saying, any further east and any further south of Kyiv, there will be slightly more adjustments to how you might need to operate in the country. Having access to PPE, for example, so your body armor and helmets is also an important factor. The closer you get to the contact line down in the south and southeast, you may need to have access to armored vehicles for any moves closer to the combat area. There are also curfews in, in place across the country, and they do vary from province to province. So it is important to understand those, and they will restrict your movement in the dark hours. And also early in the morning, if you need to make significant moves, you'd have to bear those in mind too. But broadly speaking, provided you have access to shelters that are suitable and able to support the more lengthy stays if there is a prolonged period of aerial attack, provided you have that in place, as well as access to suitable information to know when those attacks might be coming, you should be in a position to be able to withstand the various risks in those security environments. What I would also say is that any move from Kyiv to locations in the south and southeast should always be accompanied by a security partner. For Lviv and Kyiv, it's not necessarily as crucial. There are various transportation providers that are in operation within Lviv and Kyiv, and we can give people referrals for that and recommendations. But any further east than uh, than Kyiv will require full support of a security partner. So Phil, what support is available in country and how can international SOS also help? 
So part of my trip plan whilst I was in Ukraine was to make sure I was understanding what our security partners can do. And they can do an awful lot now in country. They could do quite a bit over the past 18 months, but certainly up to this point, they've they've managed to really hone their capabilities in country. So as I've mentioned so far, some of the key elements, having a combination that is suitable, well-selected and assessed, that can be done in conjunction with our security partners on the ground having suitable access to logistics so for road moves and also uh, for those train moves for those longer journeys from Lviv to Kiev as an example as well as the rest of the the network throughout the country our security partners can provide that support with getting access to those networks they also have the ability to train people up for hostile environments so hostile environment training is a is a key element for for those that are having longer term assignments in Ukraine, particularly if they are going to be venturing further south and east towards the contact line, they will need to have some upskilled capability. PPE, as I mentioned, so your personal protective equipment, your helmets, the body armor, that's all also available through our security partner network, as well as forecasting and having access to suitable information, really tying into the local networks across the country to ensure that you have access to the most suitable information and the most timely information to make those decisions, whether it is making your way as quickly as you can to a shelter or postponing travel and maintaining those flexible itineraries based on the information you receive. We also, through our security center in Dubai, will be able to give all sorts of more detailed advice for various itineraries, as there's quite a lot of information that we would be able to share for individuals that have specific needs based on their profile and whatever they're going to be up to in country. Okay, Phil, thank you so much for all your analysis of the latest situation and the advice. Super, thanks, Chris. Well, that's all for now, but just a reminder that you'll be able to access all the latest information and updates on Ukraine from our website, internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out about our global network of assistance centres, available to clients 24-7. But until next time, thanks very much for listening and goodbye.